Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20. It's about a third of the way through a paper Bible. 2 Chronicles 20 if you want to grab a Bible. And before we, uh, before we get to that scripture, I want to share sort of my a peek into Steve's life over the last 10 days. Can I do that? Last 10 days? I know each of you have had sort of unique journey over the last week or two weeks. Uh, here's a, a peek into my journey, <clears throat> realizing probably 10 or 11 days ago that this coronavirus thing is probably going to be impactful in unique ways. And so I started, as news came out on what we needed to do in social distancing, and you know, you can't be in large groups, so we had to make plans as a church, and I had to make some plans personally. My mom, mom, if you're watching online, I love you. Uh, but my mom, who lives alone in Canada, I called her and said, Mom, are you okay? You getting groceries? Everything okay? Right? And my oldest son uh, who lives in Lafayette, just recently married. Uh, he's going to be winding his job down because of the issue. And then my, my middle son, John, who goes to Bethel University, they went completely online. And so that's sort of, so in various aspects of my life, a lot of stuff has changed and I've had to make new plans and I'm sure you're doing the same. And then just a few days ago, the, the, the whole, hey, you need to be sort of close to your home and can't gather in groups of more than 10. And it felt, I don't know about you, but it felt for me like, oh, those plans that I was putting in place, now I have to rip part of those up and I have to th- rethink those. And I talked to a few people this week who uh, are now working from home. And so imagine this, this was one family, around a a dinner table, you have the husband who's working from home on a teleconference right at work, and on the other end of the table is the wife who's a school teacher trying to, to teach like 10, 12, 15 kids online, and they're at either end of the dining room table. We're all figuring out this new dynamic, and I don't know about you, but I've asked myself this question, what, how do I get through this? Like what? What is going, what's going on? We don't know what to do. And so I want, I, want to, I want us to wrestle with this question. Here's the question I want us to wrestle with. It's going to come up on the screen. It's, what's your go-to activity in a crisis? What is, in the crisis today, what's your go-to activity? Here, here's my go-to activity at a time of crisis. I eat chips. <laughs> I eat chips, not super healthy, Right? But that's sort of my, just a peek into my life. I eat chips. What about you? And I know just to be real in the midst of this and put sort of joking aside, I know at a time of crisis, for some people, it, uh, it opens, it, it can open a door to things that are not health, even less healthy than chips. Like addictions start to knock at our door again. And so that's... That's what crisis can do. Also, this was me in the last 10 days. Probably not you at all, but this was me in the last 10 days. You know, you'd hear the, uh, the news that, oh, we might have to uh, not meet in big groups anymore. And so I caught myself in this uh, seeking information sort of loop, thinking, you know what? I, b- I bet there's a news conference on. 
And so I'd turn on the governor of New York, I'd be on at 11, and then the president would be on at 1, and then the governor of Indiana was on at 3, and I thought, oh, what about the local news, on at 5.30, and then the national news is on at 6.30, and then there's the social media stuff going on, and I caught myself in this loop of getting information and updates and numbers and facts and figures, and my wife looked at me and she said, what are you doing? Right? Have you been stuck in that loop? The, the reality is, and you know this, we are at a time in our lives where we can get almost hourly updates, either on the news or online, of the number of infections around the country updated hourly. I mean, we can just become fixated on the facts. And just a reality check, this is not to draw more fear or, or anxiety into this talk, but the reality is, by all indications, the crisis, the apex of it, the peak of the crisis, is not yet here. It's like the slowest moving crisis ever, and we're getting hourly updates, and it's easy to become fixated on it. And I just wonder, I just wonder, as Christians, there's probably a better way to respond. Which is why last week and again on this week, we're taking a pause to focus on what's going on around us. And we're talking about Christ at times of crisis. And where I want to land today in the midst of what we're dealing with is a better way to respond a better thing to seek out than the facts and figures and fear around us. And so I want to do that as we look in 2 Chronicles 20. Now, I, I had this in my Bible time, I don't know, it was probably three months ago. And when the whole coronavirus thing cycled back up, it just came right back into my brain. And I knew, I knew this was a message that I needed to share. And so uh, some background before we get into the 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to be talking about a man, and it, uh, his name is Jehoshaphat. He happens to be the king of the land of Judah. And uh, Jehoshaphat, as, as king, it says in Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 17, it says that he was devoted to the ways of the Lord. He was a pretty good king. He was trying, seemingly trying his best to follow God. And in the middle of, uh, of his rule, someone came up to him and said, hey, uh, crisis, we have a whole bunch of people coming to attack the land of Judah. There's a vast army about ready to attack us. And so there's this crisis moment that King Jehoshaphat realizes, and he's going to show us how to react better in a crisis. And so the first thing he does is he calls everyone in Judah to a time of prayer. And that's when we're going to pick up this account in 2 Chronicles 20. This is what it says, starting in verse 4. It says, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat, stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, this was his prayer, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. 
Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They've lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us and save us. Now, King Jehoshaphat goes on in the prayer to describe the vast army that's coming to attack them. You should read the whole prayer later today. But he picks up in verse 12 and he says this, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And he ends the prayer and and it says this in verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. In that account and in that prayer, I see a couple of things that I want to highlight today that can help us respond better in a crisis like we're facing today. But before I get in that, let me pray. Will you pray with me? So Father, I just admit that at this time right now, there are, there are areas in our life we just don't know what to do. We don't have the answers. And so I pray, Father, that today you would open our hearts and our minds so we can hear from you, so we can respond better at a time of crisis. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this account with King Jehoshaphat in this prayer, here's what I see. In times of crisis, we should seek a better source. We should seek a better source. Look at what it says here in verse 4. It says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, just some clarity here. The land of Judah, uh, it's not a small town, right? It's, it's a territory. Here's actually a map of what Judah looks like. It's on the southern part of this map. And if you wanted to uh, approach God, if you wanted to have a large prayer meeting and go to the presence of God, you would have gone to Jerusalem to the temple because that's where the presence of God was. And so What King Jehoshaphat does is he says, you know what, we're going to pray, and we're going to come to the temple. And so people walked. If you bring that map back up, even the people of Beersheba, do you see that town way south there in Judah, Beersheba? They had to walk 73 miles up to Jerusalem to seek God. That took some effort. That took some effort and time to seek God. So I want us to wrestle with this question. In this crisis, what am I seeking? Ask yourself that question. In the crisis that we're facing today, what are you seeking? Just to be transparent, and I said this a minute ago, about 10 days ago, I found myself seeking facts and figures and news updates, which brought no comfort. Right? That, but that's what I was seeking until my wife said, what are you doing? 
We should be seeking God, which takes some effort. I just want to point back to uh, the land of Judah. They go to Jerusalem. It took a little bit of effort, 73 miles. You had to do a couple of things. And these are good reminders for me, for us, when we seek God. Here's just three quick things as I think about seeking God. If we're going to seek God, we need to set some things aside. People who walked to the temple had to set, they couldn't take everything with them. So when you seek God, how about we take our cell phones and put them in a different room? Right, what about this one? Allocate some time. It took some time for people to walk from Beersheba up to Jerusalem. 73 mile walk, that's a, that's a long, it took some time. So we should not, if we're seeking God ourselves, we should allocate some time and not have a, just a drive-by with God. The people of Judah found a special place. They, they had to go to Jerusalem. But for me, I don't know about you, but if I'm in my house, I have a couple of places in my house that when I try to allocate some time and put some things aside, that's where I go to seek God. And so those are just three quick things, very practical things. If you want to seek God, find those things. Allocate some time. Put some things away. Find a, find a great space to do that. It takes effort, but it is so worth it when we seek God. Jesus says it this way, Matthew 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Look at that, seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. When we seek God, he shows up. But when we seek facts and figures and news updates, what that brings, at least in my life, is a level of anxiety. There's no comfort there. I'm not sure God shows up in the midst of that because I'm not seeking him. But when he seek him, he shows up, which is what King Jehoshaphat was doing with everybody there in that time of prayer. <clears throat> And he prays. So he starts praying. King Jehoshaphat has everybody there. They're seeking God, and he starts this prayer. And I love the way he starts this prayer. He starts it in this way. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Well, of course. Like, the answer is yes. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of, your Abraham, of Abraham, your friend? Well, yes. The answer is yes to that. Everybody knew that who was hearing that prayer. But what I see King Jehoshaphat doing there is reminding everyone that God has not changed in the midst of this crisis. Right? It reminds me of the message last week from Pastor Mark. If you haven't watched that message, you should, because he reminds us that even in our own lives, everything hasn't changed in the midst of the crisis. And the most important thing is God has not changed. Look at this, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Look at that. Who does not change like shifting shadows? Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You know what that means? This is not God's first pandemic that he's had to deal with. Right? This is not a surprise to God, the crisis that we're living through today. This is not his first plague, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. It's not his first one. Been through it before, not surprised, has the answers, has the comfort. He's fine. 
Jehoshaphat knew that, which is why he was reminding people, God is with us. He says this in verse 9, if calamity comes upon them, comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us and save us. You will hear us, God. We don't even need to walk 73 miles to the temple. When we say yes to Jesus and when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, he is close beside us at times of trouble. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? He's right beside you. We can approach him in a way that he's right next to us. And when I think of King Jehoshaphat's prayer and those questions that build faith, like, aren't you the God in heaven? Yes. And I think of my own life and how I approach prayer at times of crisis. It would be something like this. God, you are the same God that years ago when our daughter was born, yet passed away 17 days later. God, you are the God who helped comfort me and our family to navigate that crisis. And God, when our son was diagnosed with cancer years ago and we walked through that treatment and he is healed today, you are the God who helped walk us through that mess. And God, every time we reach out to you, you hear me. And God, all throughout my life, you have shown up and you have guided us. And God, you have saved me from my sins. God, you have not changed, and when I cry out to you, you hear me, and you save me. I don't know about you, but that builds faith in my life, and that brings comfort that facts and figures and news updates and drama don't bring. Just I want to push into this a, a little harder. This is not a time to sit on the sidelines with your faith and with your relationship with Jesus. This is a time in your life, in this crisis, if we want to respond differently, to take a step in and seek God over all else. So I want to ask this question, how connected am I to God? In this crisis, how connected am I to God? Think of a scale between 1 and 10 in your own life. How connected are you? Are you being filled with fear and anxiety and news updates? And instead, you could be seeking God and getting the comfort and getting the faith that he can deliver. It's a source issue. In times of crisis, we should seek a better source. The second thing in this prayer that I see King Jehoshaphat bringing to mind is this. At times of crisis, we should keep our eyes on God. We should keep our eyes on God. Jehoshaphat ends the prayer in such a unique way. This is actually why I chose this scripture today. He says this, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. If there was a time in our lives where collectively a whole bunch of us could say, God, in the midst of this crisis, we do not know what to do. It would be now. Right? I've said that 
in my own life over the last 10 days, God, I, with the latest news, with the adjustments, I'm not sure what to do. But King Jehoshaphat reminds us to put our eyes on God. Such a great way to end the prayer by Jehoshaphat. And there's a difference between praying and fixing our eyes on God. And I want to make this point in sort of a personal way. I want to talk about my wife, Anne. Some of you know Anne. This is a picture of Anne. It's going to come up on the screen. That's my wife, Anne. She's amazing. And, and I want to make this point this way. I can, uh, have you ever been shopping with a family member and you, everything's going fine and you're shopping, but all of a sudden they magically disappear, like they've headed down some aisle and they're gone. And uh, that happens every now and again with Anne and I. And so what will happen is I will seek her out and I will put my eyes on Anne as just a quick check-in. Oh, there she is. We're good. And then I go about my shopping. That's one way. That's like the drive-by putting my eyes on something. But it's quite different. It's very different if I fix my eyes on my wife. If I look at her and I stare at her in a non-creepy way, but I look at her and fix my gaze upon her, there's a heart connection that happens. It's more intimate. I'm ready to receive. There's nonverbal communication. There's expectation. My eyes are set upon my wife. Do, do you see the difference? And that's the difference that King Jehoshaphat is declaring. We don't know what to do but our eyes are fixed on you. And look what everyone does after this prayer. In verse 13, it says, All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, ran around freaking out. No, it, it doesn't say that at all. They stood there before the Lord. They stood there with their eyes on God, with expectation. They, they didn't go to their towns. They didn't leave. They didn't look at battle plans. They didn't get updates. They fixed their eyes on God. Uh, this is such an important point that I don't want to miss it because throughout Scripture we find people who have their eyes set on God, but they take their eyes off God and they drift off into dangerous places. Adam and Eve, great example. They had a really good relationship with God. It says they walked with God in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, and then they sinned, and it created a distance. They took their eyes off God, and it created this distance between them and God. Another account in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 14, the disciple Peter, he's in a boat. Jesus came walking on the water in a miracle, walking on the water towards the boat, and Peter and Jesus get into this interaction and says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Pause, just for a second. How miraculous is that? Peter has climbed out of the boat, and he's walking on the water with his eyes fixed upon Jesus. He's doing the miraculous. But look at this, verse 30. This is Peter. But when he saw the wind, he took his 
eyes off of Jesus and saw the problem. He was afraid. It brought fear into his life because he took his eyes off of Jesus and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Folks, we cannot afford at a time like this to take our eyes off Jesus and put them on the problem which invites fear into our lives. So here's a question. What are we fixing our eyes on? Are we fixing them on the problems and inviting fear into our lives? Or are our eyes fixed on God? I want to quickly hit on one more point. This is actually right after everyone in Judah has their eyes fixed on God and they're waiting. I want to explain one more thing, and you should read the rest of the account, but this happens right after this. You should read the whole story because they end up winning the battle. They don't even have to go into war. God fights it for them, but here's what happens. Their eyes are fixed on God, and then it says this in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but this guy named Jehaziel, he's really, do you know who Jehaziel, do you know who he is? Yeah, neither do I. He never shows up in Scripture again except this one part. But the Lord, as as people were staring at God, waiting, the Lord prompts this random guy to say this, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. I want to make this nuanced point. When we fix our eyes on God. Not only will it bring comfort, not only will it bring faith, but sometimes it also brings opportunity. He might nudge us in a unique way at this time of crisis. And for some of you, you have been nudged to help out. I see people making face masks for healthcare workers here in town. I know some of you are reaching out to neighbors or helping uh, bring food or deliver groceries. I've heard of people praying for other people at a time like this. I actually, uh, I want to share a quick video from Dave O'Neill sent, sent me this video. If you don't know Dave, Dave comes to the church uh, and he is, uh, he actually works for Starbucks uh, and he's actually pretty high up and uh, oversees a number of Starbucks stores here uh, in the area and he was visiting just recently many of the stores checking to make sure people were okay and I think the Lord prompted him to do something unique at a time like this so watch this video we go to the next door similar conversations trying to be helpful appreciate the help and we get to our third store I believe it was our third store and um, there was a barista there behind the counter when we came in who you could tell was um, maybe anxious she had been crying she was there was something going on and um as we walked in you know matt we approached the store and and she came out behind the kiosk and we said matt said are you doing okay how are things going we're here to help whatever we can do and she said you know i'm not i'm not doing well and she started to cry a little bit and uh we said, is anything we can do to help you know what's going on she said well i'm actually leaving right now the baristas here came in to replace me and, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to see and, and, and connect with um, my therapist. I'm starting a program tomorrow. And we said, well, is everything okay? And um, she said, no, it's not. She goes, I am uh, extremely depressed. 
and I am um, thinking about killing myself. I'm suicidal right now. And I got to tell you guys, when she said that, um, my heart just fell to the floor. And, you know, we, we talk about being there and we're going into stores. And I got to tell you, at that point in time, the financial tracker, the smart sheets, are they open or close? Um, do they have milk or not? All these kind of things didn't matter because I had a person standing right in front of me that was telling me she's thinking about taking her own life. This is happening. And we paused and we, you know, just connected with her a little bit and she went to grab her coat and she was going to clock out and she was going to leave. And I just felt this overwhelming need that I needed to pray for her, pray with her. Didn't know what was the right thing to say or do. And as she was walking out to her car and we started walking out and I, I called to her and she came over and I said, Hey, I don't, uh, I don't know if this is appropriate for you. I don't know. I don't know what all I said, but I said, I, I just feel led that I need to pray with you right now, if that's okay. And she started crying and sobbing and she said, yes, please, please do that. And I prayed with her and there's so many things happening right now all around us and so many business impacts all around us, but yet here's a person really struggling and hurting and we're able to make a difference and have conversation with them in the right way. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the day, that night driving home, driving to work again, back in the market today. And um, I stopped back at that store, went out of my way and stopped back at that store and Megan was there. And I said, I'm so glad to see you. And she goes, yes. And she, and, and she smiled and she said, I want to thank you for what you said yesterday and for connecting with me. And I know I have people that care about me and I know that I have self-worth and I'm getting the help that I need. And she's going into a program today. I love that story because in the middle of a crisis, I know Dave, and in the middle of a crisis, as he was getting closer to God, he felt that prompting. And as we seek God, as we put our eyes on him, not only will he bring comfort in our lives, not only will he build our faith, but sometimes he prompts us. And, and here's, if we don't seek God and put our eyes on him in the middle of a crisis, Here's the risk. We could miss God entirely, which would be an even bigger tragedy. And so here's what I want to do as we close today. We're actually going to, I've invited the worship team back up. We're going to sing just a small portion of a song, and I don't want you to disengage. Because this song, it's, it's called God I Look to You. And I want us together, for some of you who have looked at other things and your life is not full of peace and there's some anxiety and you're asking yourself, Lord, what do I do now? The right answer to that is, God, I look to you. And so I, I just want to sing this, just a small portion of this song, and I want us to engage together in this. So let me pray before we go into this song. So Father, I pray that in this confusing time, in a time that we, when we approach you together, 
and we say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. God, our eyes are fixed on you. This is not your first pandemic. This is not a problem that you were not surprised with. So God, bring comfort. Our eyes are on you.
And as we set our eyes upon you, as we seek you, Lord, we may not know what to do, but we trust in the fact that when we cry out to you, Father, you hear us and you save us. And so we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining, everybody. If you need prayer or you could use some extra help, if you reach out to care at the vineyard.org, we have a whole team that can help you out. And so make sure you uh, connect in that opportunity. We also have a prayer and worship set on uh, Sunday night tonight. Uh, make sure you tune in on that. And also the vineyard.info is the place to check for anything streaming or any information from the vineyard. Thanks a lot for joining everybody. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.